1: Peter and all of the other disciples, where were they when, when Jesus was being crucified? Where were they while Jesus sat on that grave or, or laid down that grave? They were hiding. They were cowering in fear. They were, they were scared of being exposed as followers of Jesus. The, in fact, Peter denied Jesus three times. We all know that. What happened to them? What happened? What changed? Well, of course, we found out in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, the story of the day of Pentecost. Jesus says, wait for me in the upper room, and the Spirit is going to come. And when the Spirit comes, He will endow you with power from on high. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And sure enough, it happened. They were gathered in the room, and there were this, this fire this little fire that descended on them, okay? And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them, okay? They started speaking in tongues. And don't worry, this is not a message of speaking in tongues. That's for another sermon at another time. But I want to bring out a point. When they were praying, gathered in one place, the Spirit came with a sound, with a mighty sound, like a blowing wind. They came He came and he endowed them with power. And they were proclaiming the word of Jesus. And there were people out there. There were people from all over the place who saw these things happen. And they were bewildered. They were saying to themselves, these are Galileans. Why in the world are they speaking our language? They couldn't figure it out. And look at what the Bible says in verse 8 of Acts chapter 2. Now then... Is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? There were Parthians there, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappadocians, from people from Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. There were people there, Jews and Gentiles from Crete and Arabs. And they're all hearing the word of Christ proclaimed in their language. What's the point of all of this? Did you catch that? Here's the point. When the Spirit of God filled the disciples, they spoke in tongues. And that's the important part of this thing, okay? When they spoke in tongues, they were speaking the words of Christ because they were understood by those people from the foreign places. For the first time in the history of these disciples following Jesus, they now have a clarity on who they believe Jesus is. The Holy Spirit used words, the words of Christ to validate the testimony of the disciples. They proclaimed the word of Christ with clarity whereas just before they were cowering in fear. They didn't know if Jesus was truly the Messiah. The Holy Spirit came and for the first time they were speaking it and people are hearing it. The point is that the first sign that the believer is Spirit-filled, the first sign that we are being refined and being validated by the Spirit, the first sign is that there is a clear understanding of what we believe. There's a clarity in our hearts of the message of the Gospel. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is He gives us the assurance that Jesus is the Savior. And there's no name in heaven, on earth, or under the earth, to the left, to the right, above, below. There's no other name for which anyone can be saved, but only in the name of Jesus. That's the first sign that you and I are being refined by the Spirit. There's no doubt in our minds anymore about that. Bible says, Peter, filled with the Spirit, declared, there's no other name by which people can be saved. And you know what, you know what gets me all the time? The people the enemies of the gospel in this story, they just saw an outstanding miracle. They just saw a person who was begging, who had been paralyzed all his life, and a word from the disciples, they saw a miracle, and they couldn't do anything about it because the the message was validated by a miracle, but it didn't do any good. They still didn't believe. They wanted to stop the spread of the gospel. So I want to let you know, It takes real faith, people, to believe the claims of Jesus. And then don't kill yourself. There will be people, okay? There will be people where they can see a dead person rise and shake their hands and eat their food, and they will not believe in God. Classic example here. That's why Jesus, when He rose from the dead, He showed Himself only to those who believed in His name. That's why he didn't show himself to Pilate or to Herod or all the other innocent bystanders who didn't believe in him. He showed himself to those who believe. Why? Because it doesn't matter whether you see a miracle. It doesn't matter whether the Apostle Paul himself comes to this church and proclaim the gospel. If a person is not going to recognize who Jesus is, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. So we know that our faith is being validated when the question about who the Savior is is gone. For the first time, there's no more doubt in the minds of Peter and the other disciples that Jesus is who he said he is. Do you have doubts about your faith in Jesus? If you do, then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Doesn't mean you have doubts. Doesn't mean you're not saved. You are saved when you put your faith in Jesus. But loved ones, let me tell you something. You know, you can put your faith in Jesus and still have doubts about who he is. But don't don't worry, God understands. That's why He sent the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit validates and refines our faith in Christ. And that's the first thing that we experience. That's why here here at Living Rock, when you become a Christian, the first thing what's the first thing we do? First thing we do is we introduce you to the scriptures. We want you to read the gospel. We want you to read the Bible. Because that that's what we believe, where we believe God is going to speak to people directly. Now, we believe in praying, okay? Prayer is important. But prayer is only as effective as we acknowledge the word of Christ. Is if praying is communicating with God, then praying must include the study of the scriptures. So there you have it. The first sign that you and I are filled or being refined by the Spirit is there's clarity in our belief. We don't rely on the situation we're in. We don't rely on circumstances to determine our faith in Jesus. It's the Word of Christ that matters to us. Look at what Paul says to Timothy in in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Paul says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and have persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. There's a clarity of belief. Now, when there's a clarity of belief, the second thing happens. And you know what that is? There comes the courage To be bold. The courage to be bold. When you know what you believe, when it's clear to you what you believe, you're now going to have the courage to be bold in every area of your life and mind. Look at verses 13 to 17. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Let me stop there. If we had been with Jesus, we don't need anything else in terms of what what, what equipping we need to do. I'm not knocking down people who, who, uh, who study. Okay, I'm not anti-education. But I've been asked many times, Pastor, do you, do you need a seminary degree uh, to be able to uh, proclaim the gospel? (laughs) The answer is flat out no. I mean, we're just reading about it, okay? These were unschooled, untrained men. I'm not knocking down, uh, you know, the the seminary stuff, okay? I'm not knocking that down, please. You know, but but as, as, as it's been said, okay, you can have degrees more than Dr. Fahrenheit, but without a relationship with Jesus, all right? You can have more degrees than a thermostat. It means nothing. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaders of the people saw that they had been with Jesus. And that's why they had the boldness. You know what they did? They commanded them, don't talk about Jesus no more. Stop it. Why? Why, why? why were they stopping them? Okay. Was it because of the miracle? They are afraid of the the people? Because the people? No, it has nothing to do with the miracle. They didn't care about the miracles. Jesus performed a lot of miracles. But these honchos over here, they never cared about the miracle. You know what they were afraid of? They were afraid of the boldness. They were not afraid to declare that Jesus rose from the dead and he's still working. That's what they were afraid of. They were not impressed with the miracles. Never. They were not scared of of the the amazing things that these disciples will ever do. They crucified Jesus for a lot more miracles than these disciples have ever done. They were not uh, impressed by it. They were afraid because these disciples were bold. They had the courage to stand up and say to the religious leaders, we don't have to look to you for hope. They, 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 they looked at the priest and they said we don't have to look to you for healing they look at the government of the time and they said we don't have to look for you for our future blessings we look to Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and that's what scared them they got scared because the establishment wanted to have control over what the people will believe that's how they get respectability that's how they get the money that's how they get the, the prestige that they want. And what scared them was that these people, uneducated, untrained fishermen, carpenters, laborers, are declaring to them, you've lost value. We have a Messiah that can outdo you anytime, place, anywhere. It was very bold of them to proclaim the message of the gospel in a very hostile way. Situation. They were found guilty of following Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, Paul again says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying laying on of my hands. Listen to this, verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. What's the opposite of timid? Bold. There are three components to boldness. There they are in the verse. What is the definition of boldness? He does not give us the spirit of timidity, but gives us, number one, power of love and self-discipline. Those are the three things that that brings boldness to us. If we love God and we love people, we can proclaim the good news of the gospel and we can trust that God will enable His power to come upon our midst. If we have uh, uh, power that comes from God, nothing can withstand us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Paul says, I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. And then, of course, self-control, self-discipline. We watch our tongue. We watch our actions. That brings boldness. So we don't just operate in anger. I was pretty angry at the shutdown. I got to tell you, you know. It's no fun. You know, Peter Seller says, I'm in a room full of empty people. That's no good. You know, it's not because I want an audience. Believe me, if God is listening to us today in our worship, that's enough for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not dealing with the audience uh, situation here. You know what? But, but, you know, uh, the, the people of God have to have fellowship. The people of God, the Bible says, in one accord, assemble together and lift up the name of Jesus. And I understand there's, there there are risks. I, I understand that, you know, we have to carry a mask. I understand all of that. But you know what upsets me? It doesn't upset me uh, that we're in this situation. It, accept, it, it upsets me because the devil is going to try to do anything and everything he can to discourage people. And I tell you what, Jesus is greater. God is greater. When there is clarity of belief, there comes... Uh, the courage to be bold. And lastly, when there are those two things, clarity of belief and courage to be bold, it will lead to none other than a confession of brokenness before God. That's what's going to happen. Okay? And look at the final three verses of our, of our text. Verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. That was a commandment given to them by those leaders. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in your sight, in the sight of God, to listen to you more than to God, uh, you judge. For we cannot speak the things, we cannot help but speak of the things which we have seen And heard that's a confession of a broken person, a broken person before God. The disciples were clearly broken on the inside. Their confession has nothing to do with what's happening on them on the outside. It's reflecting what they are in the inside. You know, I had a when I was a kid, I had a guitar. And it's a really old guitar. It, it, it's supposed to have six strings, but it only has four. And, it, I, and I had a pick, you know, I was trying to learn to play the guitar and all of that. And I accidentally, uh, you know, let go of the pick and it went in the hole of the guitar. And let me tell you, I'm trying to get that thing out. Shaking the guitar, you know, it, it, you know, and I began to notice this guitar can double for a tambourine. There's a lot more than my pick inside this thing, you know? So I was shaking it, doing this, all kinds of things. And I dropped it, and it broke. And guess what? For the first time in my life, I have seen the outside and the inside of the guitar. The inside of the guitar had my pick. It has nails. It has uh, toothpicks. It had everything else in there. Rocks. That's why it sounded like a tambourine. But the point is, I, I, I've seen the guitar on the outside. Now I've seen the guitar on the inside. That's a picture of brokenness. Brokenness means God sees you on the outside and the inside. That means people see you, what you are on the outside, and what you are on the inside. That's what it means to be broken. There is that transparency. Why? Because Everything is exposed. The outside and the inside. And when there's an integration called integrity of what's going on in the inside and on the outside, that's brokenness. Who you are in what people sees in you is who you are when people are not looking at you. And that is a refining work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot manufacture that if you try. You can, you're going to be a hypocrite. You're going to wear a robe looking holy. But people are going to see who we are on the inside because the Spirit sees who we are on the inside and we're going to be broken by God. I can no longer pick and choose. You and I can no longer pick and choose what we're going to believe. The spirits make sure that the Word of Christ and not popular opinion is the number one thing that drives your life and mine. We're no longer going to listen to the, 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 the trends that go on. I don't give a hoot if the world says, we're going to make this thing legal or that illegal. It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter what the world says it's legal. If the Bible says it's illegal, "Ah, I'm going to go with the Word of God because what I am on the inside has to be what I am on the outside. I cannot say, oh, you know, I I figure I'm going to dance with the world. I'm going to do the cha-cha outside, but on the inside, I'm really going to do the, you know, the tango. You can't do that. You can't be dancing two different ways when you live in your life. That's an inescapable reality in the Christian life. That's how you know and that's how I know that the Holy Spirit is working in my life and yours. The Spirit of God reveals to us the living Word of God and you and I cannot continue uh, proclaiming to the world that we are Christians without the Spirit of God validating and refining that confession that, that, that we believe who Jesus is. And unless we are broken and we are, we are torn by the Spirit of God, is the Holy Spirit having a hard time breaking you? Brother Ron, <laughs> I had to share this, a few years back gave me uh, fresh uh, king crabs. For my birthday. You know. And I tell you why it was delicious. But you know what? It took warfare. To get the meat out of the shell. I mean it took a lot of violence. Violence man. I had a hammer. I had a piece of rock. I had a cutting board. Why? Because what's appetizing to me. Is not the shell. It's the meat inside. No one in their right mind will look at a crab and say, Mmm, crab shells, yummy. No one does that. What matters is that meat on the inside. You know, a crab can look red and nice and scrumptious on the outside, but let's face it, unless it's super tender, you're not going to eat the, the skin with the meat, Right? Well, God looks at us the same way. It's, it's, it's what's the inside. It's the inside that matters to God. Not that the outside doesn't matter, but what's in the inside makes for the wholeness of the person. And unless we're broken before God, you know, the, the Spirit will not be able to refine us and validate our testimony. He brings out what's in the inside. Look at Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, speaking of God, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God wants us broken before him. God wants the outside to be the same as in the inside the holy spirit's refining work in our testimony of faith in jesus involves those three things a clarifying of what we believe about who jesus is an emboldness an emboldenment an embolding of our resolve to confess who jesus is to the world and to accept that unless we're broken before god We will not be able to be thoroughly used by God. Salvation is found in no other name than the name of Jesus. And and forgive me, I have to ask, I can't assume that everybody that listens to a sermon know really what they believe about Jesus. I want you to know, if if you're a new believer or you're contemplating on believing in Jesus, I want you to know, take a step of faith. Come to faith in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will begin to do a work in you, and He will finish it. Believe me. And in the process, He's going to validate that faith that you've you've given, and He's going to refine it. Are we growing in our courage to be bold about our our God-given conviction? If not, let the Spirit refine our heart. Nothing wrong with confession and repentance. God understands our doubts. God understands our shortcomings. God understands every little thing that happens to us. God understands even the, even the sins that we're about to commit. I mean, that's an amazing thing. Well, pastor, aren't you giving license to people when, when you say that and all of that? Well, let me tell you, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to heaven. If you believe and follow Jesus, there's no doubt about it, you're going to heaven. But we're not saved only to to be able to make it to heaven. We're saved because God intends to use us. And you know what the Bible says? No ear have heard, nor eyes have seen what God has prepared for those who proclaim His name. And when we get to heaven, you're all going to be on a skateboard while I drive my limo. That's what we're doing this whole thing for. We got to have to have the boldness. You know, if you fail God, if you failed before, you're failing now. You're probably going to be failing in the future. That's not an excuse for you not to get up and say, Lord, you know what? If you don't, if you let go of your hands on me, I'm a dead person. You got to say that before God and it takes boldness to repent that way. And you know what? Maybe we should do that every night. then the Spirit of God will break you. And when you're broken, you're going to look at some of the stupid things you've ever done and you say, I can't believe I did that. "Mm -hmm, I can, God says. Don't wait another day. Maybe as we pray today, maybe we'll set aside praying to get a blessing for for just today. Maybe we're not going to pray today uh, to intercede for someone. Maybe we're not going to pray today uh, to ask God to give us the strength and this and that or the other. Maybe today we can pray and say, Holy Spirit, give me the power to have clarity of belief. Give me power to have the courage to be bold and break me so I can confess my faith without a doubt and without reservation. Maybe that's what we need today.
0: You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, You will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.